0: We are going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Mark. The book of Mark Chapter four very familiar parable. And there's so much there. Oh my. Parable of the soils of the sower. Let's read verse 1. And again he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land, facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some thirty fold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray, Father. We thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray by Your Spirit that Your Word would have its full effect on our lives. Father, it says here that on some this seed will fall on their hearts, but their hearts are so hard that Satan will immediately come and steal it away. It would be like the word never went out in the first place in a way. Lord, there are some listening right now in that place. Would you, by your mercy, your word, the book of Jeremiah says your words like a hammer. Would you just hammer those hearts? that they would not, Lord, that that heart would not, Father, be a heart that is taken captive by the enemy today. Lord, there's a multitude of other things, Lord. which causes your word, Lord, to be taken back, Lord, or have no effect, Lord, or lead to, as we just read, no crop. Forbid it, Lord. Forbid that we go through this life, Lord, with no crop, no fruit, a wasted life, Lord. Lord, we don't want to, Lord, get before the judgment seat as it says in 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 14 when we give an account. Have Mm. barren lives, Lord. We want that verse, Lord. We want verse 8, 30, 60, 100. God, we do it to ourselves. We crowd our heart with nonsense. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, purge it all, Lord. Take it. Give us surrendered spirits, surrendered hearts. Open up our minds, our ears, our hearts, our eyes. That we may see the wonderful things, Lord, in your word. This morning, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. Okay, so by this time great multitudes are following Jesus. We saw last week the multitudes were so great that they and they pressed in so much. Mark chapter 3 verse 20 says that They, including Jesus, could not so much as eat. He was a popular dude at this time. Jesus' solution at the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1, says, He got into a boat and taught taught them a parable parable is a simple story used to illustrate truth. We'll learn later on in this chapter, from this point forward, he taught only in parables. This parable, which is called the parable of the sower, or the farmer, it's also called the, I think more accurately, right, the parable of the soils, starts in verse 4. Jesus says again, he's he's sitting, speaking to a large multitude who are likely sitting on a slope or a hill that rises up from the sea. They actually believe they have pinpointed where this is on the Sea of Galilee. Has anyone in this room ever been to this alleged place Uh, where where there's some places right there on the Sea of Galilee where uh, from the shoreline, it's like a, a natural amphitheater, and, and voices carry like, supernaturally, just a long, long distance. Remember, it says there's a great multitude, and he's sitting down. And everyone's hearing. And in verse 3 of chapter 4, it begins... Jesus says, Listen, behold, a sower, a farmer went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside on the path, or by the path. There's the farmers throwing out the seed, and the birds of the air came and devoured it, just ate it up. It's gone. Now, Jesus gives the interpretation of what that means in verse 14. So let's go down there. Verse 14 and 15. This is the interpretation of that verse. Verse 14 says, The sower sows the word. Verse 15 says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is, uh, is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So when the the, the first soil, seed goes on the path, birds of the air come by and devour it. That's Satan immediately getting it and taking it away before it even really enters into the heart. So Jesus is saying... That there's a type of person who hears the word of God. It makes no penetration into their hearts whatsoever. Satan immediately takes it away. This is the type of person who comes into this room. There's really no interest in receiving what is shared. They, they, they were dragged here by a friend or worse. They came to church with the purpose of finding fault like the Pharisees. Because, listen, supremely, if you look at these verses, the sower is Jesus. He is the sower. So are all teachers of the the Word of God, but Jesus is the sower. I'm not supremely the sower. Jesus is. Stop looking at me. Jesus is the sower. And it says there's a type of person that comes in... Such as the Pharisees who came to see John the Baptist and later went to see Jesus, they heard what they had to say, and their response was, well, John the Baptist has a demon, Jesus is a glutton and a drunk. That's in Luke chapter 7, 33-34. They really said that. That doesn't mean that someone can't come into a church service service with absolutely no interest or come in wanting to find fault and they leave the service 180 degrees different than how they came in, born again, awestruck after being in the presence of God, blown away by the power and love of God. Doesn't mean that doesn't happen. That's another parable, another sermon for another day. Has nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about now. In this parable, this person receives nothing of what is said. This is the first soil described by Jesus, the soil that falls by the wayside. Second kind of soil in verse 5. So let's go back to verse 5 and and 6. Second soil. Some seed fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. So Jesus gives the interpretation of this verse in verse 16. If you can go down to verse 16 with me. Verse 16 says, these likewise, these this seed, are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble, which means offended. Most translations say they fall away. Now these are the folks who come into a church service. They are depressed. Some of you come in here depressed today. This is the place to be if you're depressed. They come in discouraged. This is certainly the place to be. Uh, They're discontent with their life. They really, really want to something they want, they want a baby they're barren they want a baby they want a husband they want a wife a better paying job a healing of a chronic illness or they have a bad marriage or there's some kind of place in their life which is causing misery they come into this service they notice there's a genuine joy in and peace in a lot of the people that they see, they hear the word of God, they think, This seems like an easy way out of my misery. And so they say, Okay, I want this Jesus in my life, come into my life, Jesus. And in verse 16, they leave the service with gladness. I found my way out of misery, yeah. But verse 17 says, when tribulation comes, the pregnancy never happens. The husband doesn't come, the wife. The sickness doesn't go away. They get fired from their job. Their wife leaves them. Their husband leaves them. A child dies. A brother dies. A father dies. And their response is, what kind of God's this? This ain't working. I'm out of here. Or verse 17 says persecution, because being a Christian costs something. Everyone hear that? Please hear me. Being a Christian costs something, not something. It costs a lot. It costs everything. If you're not willing to lie about this, you're fired. If you're not willing to sleep with me outside of marriage, I'm done with you. If you believe that kind of stuff, you're not welcome with our crowd. And their response is, are you kidding me? That's not what I signed up for. And they cast their Christian faith to the side. In fact, they never were a Christian in the first place. A Christian does not cast their faith to the side. Or if they do in a time of weakness... They don't leave it there. That's the second kind of soil. The soil that falls on stony ground. The third kind of soil. It's in verse 7. Let's read that. And some seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. That interpretation, verse 18. Go down, back down, back and forth. Verse 18. Jesus interprets it. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and make it. Unfruitful. So this one's a little tricky to interpret. It appears that this soil represents the person who sincerely believes the word, does receive it with a right right motive. I'll say a right motive, not the right motive. A right motive. They didn't receive Jesus just for a quick fix. They honestly believed he was the son of God who the Word of God says He is, who lived, died, and resurrected for them, took all their sin on the cross. They can't be saved by trying or enter into a relationship with God by trying to be good because they deserve it. They understand they don't, that Jesus purchased it for them, an everlasting relationship of joy and love. They understand who He is, that He deserves to be made King of their life, so they invite Him in. But this is... This third soil, again, tricky to interpret. It appears they received the the word with a divided heart. They love the Lord, but they love the world. The word has taken root in their heart, but so does sports. So does glamour. So does money. So do video games. So do entertainment. So do clothes. So do cars. So do boats. So do nice stuff. Nothing wrong with nice stuff or any of those things, actually, as long as they don't take a root in your heart. As as long as they're not rooted in your heart. Because whenever a heart is divided, whenever a heart is divided, in that way, love for Jesus living in the heart as, as well as love for whatever else, the love for whatever else, the love for the world wins out. Jesus says of this soil in verse 7, it yields no crop, no fruit. It wins out. Listen, if you have a love for the world. And you know full well there's something out there, some hobby, something. It's got roots in your heart. It's going to win unless you cast it out. It will win. Jesus Jesus says it yields no crop. No means no in the Greek and the Hebrew and every other language. It means no crop. If you're here today and you're like, Ugh, so hard to concentrate. There are football games this, uh, this afternoon. That's a, you're in a dangerous place. It'll win out. No crop. Jesus says in John 15, verse 8, this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. The man or woman who loves Jesus and loves the world will bear no fruit. Last soil. Verse 8. I love, I love reading this one. I love it so much. It says, but other seed fell on good ground. It yielded a crop of one, two, or three. It doesn't say that, does it? There is so much energy in a tiny little seed. It's not just one or two or three. It's 30, 60, 100. <laughs> verse 8 said, so, But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and it produced 30 fold, some 60, some 100 fold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that interpretation is down in verse 20. Of Mark chapter 4, it says, if you go down to verse 20 with me, but this seed, these seed are the one sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. This is the person who comes into a church service, hears the word of God, concludes, I am done with everything else actually they come into the service before listening to the word of god before listening to it and they they've concluded before listen i'm done with everything else i'm done god deserves so much better he deserves all of me and he she receives the word of god with an undivided heart they bear fruit some 30fold some 60 some 100 and when, you, by the way, very important when you see the word fruit there. And bear fruit, some 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Important that you understand. This is not talking about fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. A, a, a lot of you are familiar with that. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. It's not talking about that. What this is talking about is um, the life of God which is in you being reproduced in the life of others. Fruit. You're taking notes. In this context here, as well as John 15, by the way. The life of God in you being reproduced in others. I hope when you read this, this gets you incredibly excited because I got to tell you, there is nothing like this, like this happening in your. It, it, there's nothing as good as this that can possibly happen in a human life. When you see, and we'll read a little later after patience, because it does take patience, the life in you being reproduced in the life of others, man, you will be doing backflips f- far more. Then whatever, the Buccaneers winning, and, and I hope they lose. But 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 you know, I I, I you'll be doing backflips far more than that. It is so much better. It lasts so much longer. And 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 just think about it. I, I've been thinking a lot the last in the last month. Who am I related to that like four or five hundred years ago? There if Jesus tarries. And I hope he doesn't tarry another four or five hundred years. You literally can, uh, can be the descendant of someone living 50, 100, 200 years from now. Is that amazing or what? Is that a thousand, ten thousand, a million times better than a, a football team winning or looking great in, a, in, in clothes or, 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 or winning some video game contest? Come on. Fruit. The life of God in you, in you being reproduced in others. Okay, so where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? How does he want us responding to this? What does he want from us? What does Jesus want you and me to be preoccupied with in this parable? Well, you speak to my wife, and I know I, I say this a lot. She's a student and a teacher of the Word of God. You get the answer if you just go through the parable and you identify the word that is used more than any other word. In this case, far more than any other word. Way, 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 way more than any other word. Okay, I'm waiting. What is it? What is the word? Come on, just look down at your Bible. What's the word? What? Shout it out. I didn't hear it. Seed. No, no, no. There's a word used way more than that. What's that? what's that? Soil. No. 13 times. 13 times there's a word used. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Nope. 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 No. What? What did you say? No, it's a word that's used 13 times. By the way, this parable ends in verse verse 25. But it's used plenty of times before that. Here! Yes, Christabel! Was it your birthday last week? It was her birthday. Like She's she, 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 she full of life. She gets it. The word here. Thirteen times. Thirteen times the word here is used. Okay, now that, that should get our attention. And by the way, nothing at all wrong with taking a while like we just did to figure it out. That's what we, we got to slow down when we read the Word of God. What's he getting at here? What, what word is used? The word here, actually, the very first verse. Jesus begins in verse 3. Listen, exact same Greek word. Exact, akau. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's this same Greek word that's used throughout the parable. It, 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 so just think of verse 3. Here, behold, a farmer went out to sow. Verse 9 says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The point being, not everyone who has hears, ears rather is hearing. Verse 12 says, hearing, th- hearing that they may hear and not understand. Very unusual verse there. God says to Isaiah, Go out and preach so hearing they will not understand. Jesus says, I'm teaching in parables because they come. Why are you teaching in parables and what does this parable mean? He says, well, so hearing they will not understand. And and this traces right back to our our, our teaching a couple weeks ago about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, just rejecting the word of God, rejecting, 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 until at some point, Romans chapter 1, We were in this a couple weeks ago. God gives them over to judgment, and and the preaching of the word leads to hardening and judgment. That's a crazy thing. God forbid that that's you this morning. You can have ears and not hear, and it says that you can even hear, Lord, hear, but you don't hear. You're not really taking anything in. The key to this parable is really, we haven't read it yet, verse 24. Verse 24 says, take heed what you hear. I think the book of Luke makes it clear. Book of Luke says this, so be careful how you listen. That's the understatement of at least today. (laughs) You better be careful how you hear. Hear, 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 hear. You better be careful how you hear. Jesus says. So, Calvary Chapel, what? How, what supremely is our response to this parable? You need to strive. You need to fight. You need to scratch, claw, seek with all your heart, mind, and soul to make sure you're not only hearing, but you're hearing, you're understanding, and you're responding and repenting in your heart when you hear the Word of God. You've got to do whatever it takes so that when you're coming in here on Sunday morning, your heart's ready to hear. This is your responsibility. Great thing. You can come in here and the the seed will will be stolen before it even hits you. At the moment it hits your heart because of you not preparing your heart. Now, one big mistake people make when reading this parable is they become completely preoccupied with, well, who's the real Christian here? Well, probably not the first one. Doesn't look like the second one. The third one, well, maybe. Uh, definitely the fourth one. Listen, I don't think Jesus wants us reading this parable, getting all caught up who is, is and who's not a Christian, preoccupied with whether or not we've had fruit. Well, yeah, I had this friend one time. I told her about Jesus. She eventually prayed a prayer, and, and she's now in church every Sunday. Phew! Oh, oh, I'm the fourth sorel. I must be a Christian. That, that is not, that's not what Jesus wants your response or my response to be when reading, these words, when reading these words. Just pause there. Little caveat to that statement. Qualifier. I do think the parable is multidimensional. I mean, parables are so... They're, they're simple in their wording, they're crazy deep in their meaning, and they're multidimensional, meaning they have multiple layers, they have multiple uh, meanings. So uh, he is speaking to every kind of person who sets foot in a church service, so at one level, yeah, it's true, one layer, one dimension, absolutely. The prayer is meant to speak to you here today who have never received the word ever, would it be that today you were awakened, even terrified, when you read the first soil and it dawns on you, wow, you know, Jesus speaks more about hell, eternal torment apart from God than he did about heaven and you cry out to God for mercy after reading about that first sorrow. Where it is that's been me? I don't want to be in eternal torment. I want Jesus. And and you cry out to God. And, and 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 the Bible says that when you do that, it says God will never deny you when you uh, when you cry out to Him with a surrendered heart. He will pour His Word and salvation into you. Romans chapter ten verse thirteen says, "Who." Calls on the name of the Lord will be saved when you call out with a surrendered heart. So that is one lever, rather, one level, one layer, one dimension of the parable. But you may be someone in this room, you've already seen fruit in your life, the life of God in you being reproduced in the life of others. You may be here, and the soil of your heart is is solidly, squarely, absolutely described by Jesus in verse 4. That the second the the word hits your heart, it's stolen away. You may be, have fruit in your life, but that may be the condition of your heart this morning. Uh, You may not receive a single word that goes out from this pulpit today because whatever happened in your life, or, or perhaps it's something you think about me. Or, or, or people in this church you have issues with. And, and, and you, you've just come in here. And, 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 you know, in my body, I might be going to church. In my spirit, I'm a million miles away. I'm not taking anything I get. You are the first soil. That's who you are. Jesus is speaking to every person that sets foot inside of a church service in this parable. So I'm telling you, Calvary Chapel, this, the, the, this parable, front and center, front and center. I hope you make it front and center 13 times. You better be really, really careful to prepare your heart to hear the word of God. Remembering, I'm not the sower supremely; it's Jesus. Luke eight eighteen again. Be careful how you listen. You know, with how things are in the United States of America today, Uh, for the life of me, I, I do not see how any person in this room can read verses 16 and 17, where Jesus says, These, is this you? Are you the these? are the ones by the wayside, rather, verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a while. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble, they're offended, they fall away, Scandalizo in the Greek, they fall away. If those verses don't move you this morning, you're in great danger, just that flat out that's true, those verses don't move you. You look outside in the United States of America, life as you know it is coming apart at the seams before your eyes in this country. There is a worldwide pandemic, hello? Which has become a real threat to government as we know it, freedom as we know it the economy, the health system, our health, the entire education system. There's some of you in my hearing right now. You're in a worse place spiritually, some of you, some of you by far, than you were a year ago when this whole thing got started. You're in a worse place. The Lord, who brought all this about, coming from his hand, Wanted you by now in verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60, and some 100. That's where the Lord wanted you. But you're way back at verse 17, the tribulation and persecution, his call has caused you. To stumble, or worse, in verse 15, when the word hits your heart now, Satan comes in immediately and takes away the word. That's where you're at. And if experience is any dictator, chances are you're blaming it on everyone and everything except the only one who is to blame. Yourself. Listen. You're in a church. The word is God, of God is going out. The sower is sowing. The sower is not me. The sower is Jesus. You got to stop, repent, and start preparing your heart to receive the Word of God. Verse twenty is an amazing verse because it says these, this is the four sorrel, are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word of God, accept it, bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. Listen, right in the middle of a pandemic. That is what it's available to you and me. Is God awesome or what? And, and, and things can get worse Tenfold. What's available to you, Calvary Chapel? (laughs) Verse 20. 60, rather 30, 60, and 100 bearing fruit. That's available to you. The Word of God is that explosive. Regardless of what you've done up to this point, that's available to you. But it does say you must prepare your heart. So what do you do? Luke 8.18 says, one more time, be careful how you listen. You must prepare your heart. You know, wonderful contrast in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you have uh, uh, good kings. Most of the kings are bad. Incredible amount of learning from studying the life of the kings. One of my favorite, Jehoshaphat. It says this of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 19.3. It says, Nevertheless, this is a prophet speaking to Jehoshaphat after he had done some really stupid stuff, just like you and me do. Nevertheless, good things are found in you. Why? Because you have prepared your heart to seek the Lord. Notice how it doesn't say you have sought the Lord. It doesn't say that. You have done, prepared your heart. Seek the Lord. You gotta prepare your heart to seek the Lord, or you can't seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Now contrast it with Rehoboam, a bad king, and he did evil because he did not what? Prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The Lord, And so uh, you may say, well, can you get just a little bit more practical, a little bit more specific? What can I do? What do you want me to do? How do I prepare? How do I, how can I be careful to hear the word of God? Like, how do I go, how do I get to that place? I'm going to conclude with um, four things. Hope you're taking notes. I'm just going to be just... Really honest with you? And if this isn't honesty, I don't know what is. James 1.21, number one is this. It's, It's lay aside. Listen, Calvary Chapel, before looking at the projection screen, look at me. Lay aside all filthiness. Well, what kind of churchy, religious word is that? Well, one of those words they've practically taken out of the language of our behavior. It's just not a cool thing to talk about, filthiness. What kind of religious prude are you? Well, it's not me, it's, not me, it's the Word of God speaking. James chapter 1, verse 21 says this, Therefore, lay aside all Filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and and look at this is just an incredible verse. Look at the next verse, next part of the verse. I'm sorry, the next part of the verse. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Notice what the prerequisite is to receiving. So everything we've been talking about today, receiving the word of God. What's what comes before it? Getting rid of all filthiness. And how do you do that? Well, what this verse is saying is that, that, uh, look, you can't go into CNN and and, and listen to talking heads all week, talk about what idiots there are on the right. You can't go into Fox News all week. and and listen to talking heads talk about what idiots there are on the left and expect to receive the word of God. It's never going to happen. You you can't go into um, the TV or into movies filled with sexually suggestive stuff, cynical stuff, violent stuff, and this be the appetite of, of your week. That's filthiness. You can't. Have that as your regular diet and expect to go into church and receive the implanted word. You you can't spend uh, your eyes glued on Facebook, social media, Twitter, fritter, whatever, all week and and be pressing on videos of chihuahuas doing backflips all week. And if that's what you're doing for, for, for hours each night and expect to come in and receive the, planted, the, the implanted word, it is just not going to happen. You need to get rid of it. You need to repent and get rid of it, lest your soil one, two, or three. Number two. Number two is prayer. Prayer. What did Jehoshaphat do? He prepared his heart to seek the Lord. First thing, get rid of the filthiness in your life. And if you think I've never had a habit of filthiness in my life and that I didn't have to get rid of, you have no idea who I am or what any preacher is. This has to be a regular thing that we do for the rest of our lives. It's got filthiness all over the place. That's number one. Number two, though, is prayer. So what do we pray? Um, Here's Luke. Here's verse 20 um, in Mark chapter four. Luke is, this is basically the, the parallel account, but the ones that fell on good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart. They keep it, and they bear fruit with what? Ooh, so important. Patience. Prayer. Oh, God, I am so so impatient <laughs> and, and Lord Lord i I do not have a good heart there's just lust there there's ambition there there's self vain glorious nonsense there Lord would you help me with it please lord would you do that for me lord I, I and, and I I said just by the way I, I I suggest throughout the week but specifically Saturday night and Sunday morning, praying to the Lord along these ways. Prayer. How do you, how do you prepare your heart to seek the Lord? If you just come into the service, just rush in with no change, no effort to prepare your heart, you're not going to receive the word. you got to get rid of the filthiness. You have to pray. Another good uh, verse, we talked about this last week, Ezekiel 36, 26, this is Jesus speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of you, your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. Hold God to his promise. You're allowed to do that, and you're not being disrespectful. God, you told me you'd give me a new heart. You told me, Lord. Please, I'm going to church tomorrow. I need to hear the word of God. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it, Lord. I'm not feeling it. You guys are listening to my prayer life. I'm not feeling it, Lord. Would you give me a new heart? Uh, the next verse I have, I just love this one. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is Job um, crying out to God, not understanding why all the bad things are happening into his life. And he says, God, I've treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. And, 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 and so the prayer would be, Lord, this isn't me. Would you put the thirst for your word in my heart? Would you? Would you? Uh, can I come into the service tomorrow? And there, this that puffy-haired dude in front when he's speaking. Would, would, could I? Could I receive the word like this so much that I want it more than necessary food? Realizing it's Jesus who's the source and not him. Pray for an undivided heart. Psalm 86.12 says this, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. By the way, Spanish translation here, dame un corazón indiviso. That's just, the, that's just Google Translate. Be careful. Something I could not find a Spanish translation. So for you all who are um, listening in Spanish, you, know, you need to be careful. You need to do your own word searches. You need to get into the word of God. Pray for an undivided heart, whatever language you speak. That's what, the, that's what Psalm 86, 12, it's, it's so important that you recognize. We have a divided heart. It only takes an hour in the morning living, and our heart becomes divided. But particularly, if you want to go to the church service on a, 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 on a Sunday morning, pray, Lord. Give me an undivided heart. Number three, if you're taking notes, before before we get there, by the way, uh, and what would be really, really good is if you come here at 8.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and join the prayer service. You know what we were praying uh, this morning in the prayer service? Oh, God, open up our ears so that we can hear Open up everyone's ears, Lord, that we can hear. The, the, the prayer service cut in two-thirds because of COVID. It's time, it's time to return. We need you there. Cry out to God so that everyone who comes in here can hear the word of God. But number three. So I got this from, uh, from John Piper, a man I greatly respect. Number three is appetize. <laughs> appetize. Number one, get rid of all filthiness. Number two, pray. Number three, appetite. What in the world does that mean? Well, um, awaken your appetite for the word of God. You know, for many years as a young Christian, I didn't have any time with God, any prayer or time in the word with God because I was going to church and that was my devotion time. I came to realize the most important time every single week is time in prayer, and in the word prior to the service. And on Saturday nights, wasn't it one... I don't know how many of you saw the parenting uh, weeks. These these men and women of God who joined us, just fantastic. But but the testimony they had of using Saturday nights, and one thing, just before you go to bed, just appetize. I don't even know if that's in the dictionary, by the way. But, but appetize, just... Go to bed with, with, with the Word of God. Just read a Bible verse, meditate it, go to sleep on it, and, and whet your appetite. Jehovah, Jehoshaphat, he was, he was a good king. Why? Because he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Appetize Saturday night and, and Sunday morning. Um, and then the fourth one come to church ready to hear you got to get enough sleep. Now, with this one, please, do what I preach and not what I do, because I'm up all night <laughs> on Saturday nights. But i got to tell you, I'm ready. I'm ready to get into this pulpit. But if I was you, I would need seven or eight hours of sleep. Listen. Are you going to prepare your heart to seek the Lord? You need sleep. You can't be up all night doing whatever. Certainly not clicking on every uh, video on YouTube on Facebook. You gotta get you you gotta get to bed, and you gotta get here on time. The worship service now, independently, the the music, the praise that you hear, it's God loves the praise. the, 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 independent of, of, of the of the word of God, the message, it's an important time. But what does it do? I don't know. It, it prepares you. It prepares your heart to seek the word of God. Let me tell you, if we didn't have music and praise before the message, there's a reason we do it for the message. It's not because we're being legalistic. It's to prepare our hearts to receive the word. Get enough sleep, get in on time, that's what worship is for. Okay. It's a I tell you what we're gonna do now. Have the worship team come up. And you know another thing that's good to do is when the word of God goes in, remember. The message this morning, this parable. What Jesus wants more than anything else: be careful, really careful, how you hear. Prepare your hearts to hear. There's also what happens after. And every week, we have prayer groups from at at at, at 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 noon every day, actually in English, three p.m. in um, in Spanish, and then there's morning prayer, and. Matt Conan, one of the elders of the church, sends all the prayer teams the prayer requests. And first and foremost, he does an outstanding job of outlining the sermon because he, he, he asks the, the prayer teams to pray that what was said would be prayed into reality. Do that. Do it, do it, do it. Just go back This is not not a message just, okay, I wonder what next week's going to be. No. Go back and pray it into reality. God's faithful. He'll do that with you. But also during the closing worship song, when you open up your heart to the Lord, guess what will happen? The word will go deeper and deeper. It will go deeper and deeper. Let's do that. Now, if you could rise for the closing worship song. So grateful for our, for our worship uh, team and the leaders and every participant that they do this for us every Sunday. This is not a message for us to allow just to be stolen away. 25 verses are dedicated to this one parable. (laughs) That's a lot of ink. Let's worship now that the word would be implanted like the book of James says, implanted deep into our hearts. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word, every bit of it. You're so faithful so faithful Lord you've given us your word open up our hearts Lord the word is entered we want to go deeper we're frail it says in your word you know our frame open up our hearts Lord through this worship time the word would go deeper to complete its work in Jesus name Amen